Hello, dear friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington and I am your host. If you are new here, welcome. I am a mom of three from Montreal, Canada, and I have a PhD in neuroscience. What I do here at Curious Neuron, whether it's the podcast, Instagram, or the website, is I share science uh, and insights focused around your child's emotional health and development. And that means that I talk about your emotional well-being as well, because everything ties in together. Your child's environment includes you and your mental health matters and their mental health matters too. So today I'm talking about a book that I read a little while back now, but it's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. This was a book that I read to um, prepare myself for meetings and negotiations and business. Um, but turns out, turns out that a negotiation book has lots of really subtle and hidden parenting advice. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. Um, so I know you're probably thinking, like, what is she going to talk about? Lots of things. And I really want you to stay tuned because I've learned so much from this book, not only in terms of how I negotiate, for example, a no in negotiation. I've always perceived that as such a bad thing to send an email to somebody or to be in a meeting and somebody, you know, you're pitching and they're like, no, but now I see it so differently because of this book. Um, but the same thing applies with parenting. You're going to see everything that I share with you today um, will change your lens for certain conversations with your child, for certain arguments you have with your child or even with your partner. Um, so I'm hoping that what I've learned will be something that you get to take home and apply as well. As always, before I begin, I'd like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute here at the Neuro in Montreal for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. It means everything to me that an academic institution and a research institution here in Montreal supports the Cures Neuron podcast. Open science is important to them as it is to me and to us here at Cures Neuron because I want to make sure that science is accessible for parents. I came out of research and I just felt that there were lots of people telling us what to do as parents, but nobody was saying why. And I want to give you that why. So that's what Curious Neuron is all about. If you haven't done so yet, make sure that you subscribe to the Curious Neuron podcast. And if you've listened to a couple episodes and you're enjoying it and you're sticking around with me, thank you. Please also take a moment to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Every single rating, even if it's one second of rating it on, on five stars, whatever you decide it is, it really makes a difference because I am sponsored. They look at data and stats and metrics. And that little moment that you take makes a big difference for me to continue this podcast. So please take that moment. Also, if you'd like to join us on Instagram, you can join us at curious underscore neuron. I post little snippets of research there. The full source is always there on the slide and you can go on and read more if you'd like, or you can just head on to our website at curiousneuron.com. We have the Curious Neuron Academy where you have some web webinars that help you understand your child's behavior and how they're linked to emotions. There's another webinar on how you can go back to your childhood and understand how that might have impacted the way that you're parenting. There's our very popular PDF called Meltdown Mountain. This one is our most popular um, item at the Academy. You can get it for free, by the way. If you rate the podcast, send me an email at info at and I will send you the PDF for free as a thank you and a $20 off coupon for our compassionate parenting package that has all the webinars you need. So please uh, send me an email at info at And obviously on the website, there's always the articles that we write where we summarize research for you. 
You'll also notice something a little bit different in the show notes. Um, I've started partnering with some companies that have products that I believe are important for you or your child. So there is Pock Pock Playroom, which is an app. It is a very non-stimulating, calm app that was the first app that I downloaded for my kids. You can get 50% off their one-year subscription if you click on the link in the show notes. And I am so happy that I have brought on better help um, to this podcast as a partner as well as a friend. Um, they also give you a discount um, for a subscription. So if you are looking for therapy and you cannot leave your home, you can do this all from the comfort of your home with BetterHelp. So the links to Pock Pock and BetterHelp are in the show notes. And as always, because I am the co-founder of the Wondergrade Great app, if you are looking for an app that's going to help your kids ages three to eight learn how to cope with emotions while also teaching you a thing or two uh, about how to support them in their emotions, how to understand their emotions, and how to nurture your own, you can download the Wonder Grade app, which is my app. It's an app that I'm co-founder of. It's been a year now, and you can test it out for free for two weeks. All those links are in the show notes. All right, so on to the book, Never Split the Difference. The link is in the show notes as well. Um, I started reading this book because for the past couple of years, I've been working on, you know, setting boundaries. I've been working on my self-compassion. And one thing is in conversation, just the way that I feel, especially in business, often people are criticizing you. And that's part of, you know, having a company, um, especially with a tech company like I have with Wondergrade everything is criticized and that's part of it. But I wanted to know when I'm sitting there with an executive or I'm sitting there in a business meeting or pitching to somebody, I just wanted to know like what sort of thoughts I should have and how to go about these in a, in a better way. Um, so I read the book, Never Split the Difference. But what kept standing out to me as I was reading it is that there's so much um, that this person, Chris Voss, shares, who was an FBI negotiator. And there are so many things that stand out to me that are really important for parents. So listen to this line that's at the beginning of his book. It says it all starts with a universal premise that people want to be understood and accepting. Listening is the best way to get there. So when we think of negotiations, we also sometimes, you know, for myself anyways, I think about like saying the right thing at the right time. But I have learned from this book that it's not about that. Obviously, it's part of it. But listening is the most important part. And that line, when it's, it, he says it all starts with the universal premise that people want to be understood and accepted, I keep picturing our kids. I keep picturing our toddlers, our young preschoolers, our young children, our youth, early teens, teens, whatever it is. It all comes back down to that, doesn't it? And I think that when we start having that you know, mindset and that lens, we view their behavior very differently because kids will not want to act out on purpose to upset us or piss us off, like some of us might think. It's not that. They're trying to be um, heard or understood or accepted, and they're going to behave in ways that they don't necessarily have control over. He continues to define what listening is, and that's demonstrating empathy and showing a sincere desire to better understand what the other side is experiencing. Again, I wrote this down because as I was reading, I just kept picturing that toddler or preschooler that's so misunderstood. That That's all they want is that they want us to hear them. And it's very hard because we're so busy as parents getting ready for work, getting ready for a doctor's appointment, getting ready for soccer at night or whatever it is stress, just the regular stress of everyday parenting. And we might not have the time to truly listen. So if there's one thing that you can switch this week is 
ask yourself during moments during, you know, throughout your day, am I listening to my child? Am I really demonstrating empathy and showing a sincere desire to better understand the other side and what they are experiencing? He contrasts the difference between um, an experienced negotiator versus a great negotiator. And an experienced negotiator will come into a situation with multiple hypotheses. So, you know, this is what the person wants. This is what they're looking for. They probably, you know, are thinking this versus a great negotiator. They are able to question the assumptions, which in essence is going to have a huge um, change or difference in how you're listening to somebody, right? Like you're going to question your assumptions. You're not just going to have the assumptions and then move forward with them. You are going to question them and listen very carefully to the counterpart to see if your assumptions are met or not. Now think of this next sentence um, when you're having an argument also with your partner. So it says, most people approach a negotiation so preoccupied by the arguments that support their position that they are unable to actually listen attentively. (laughs) I've done this myself. (laughs) Um, They're not talking. When they're not talking, they're thinking about their argument. And when they're talking, they're making their argument. But this is not good listening. This is not listening that leads to a change in in a person's behavior or thoughts or feelings. And this is what negotiation should be about. Chris goes on to say, try this. Make sure that your sole focus is the other person and what they have to say. This is true active listening and it disarms your counterpart. So whether this is your partner, your friend, a family member or your child, when we are truly listening to what they want, it disarms them. It doesn't put us into fight or flight. It doesn't put us in a position where we're trying to um, be defensive and argue our position. We are being listened to. We are having a conversation and negotiating um, for whatever it is. Another interesting aspect of negotiation that I learned from this book is called mirroring. And mirroring is imitation. So we copy each other to comfort each other. The main goal of somebody who is a uh, who's in a negotiation is, is truly to connect with that other person. Um, you know, it's not just that you're trying to get what you want, but you're also trying to connect with that person and and um, get them to feel comfortable and to feel seen and to feel heard. And this is exactly what you need to do with your child as well. So mirroring, um, whether it's um, mirroring through speech patterns or body language or, voca- or vocabulary. So the, the body language is an, is an interesting one because you can do this with your toddler, right? So I would often get down to their level and, and if they're on the floor, get on the floor. If they're um, sitting at a certain place, go go meet them. Get to their level, mimic and mirror what they're doing, the, the body language and the tone um, if they're concerned and, and that makes them feel more comfortable. What I found interesting was that he contrasted as well like old days, like a long time ago and how they perceived emotions and their role in negotiations and there actually was no room for emotions in negotiations. Whereas now, obviously through all the research that we have, they've realized the importance of emotions and and the role that they play in negotiation. There will always be emotions involved and we can't ignore them. We actually have to listen and, and that's how and why you empathize with the other person in a negotiation, including your child or your partner. Um, so it's important that we remember that they have a big role. And he says emotions are one of the main things that derail communication. When you're upset, rational thinking goes out the window. And this goes back to what I've explained about the brain. When 
we, whether we're a child or an adult, it just happens a lot more when we're a child. Um, when we are very upset or dysregulated, then our brain isn't um, functioning the same way. And that frontal part of your brain, the brain that is the rational thinking that helps you um, question certain things and compare and say, should I do this or should I do that or should I not say this? That part of the brain isn't functioning. So similarly in an argument or, um, you know, in a, in a big emotional event with your child, if your emotional and they're and they're emotional both of you are not really accessing that frontal lobe you have to be the one that kind of like takes a deep breath reminds your brain that it's safe it's it's you know in an environment where nothing can happen in that moment it's just your child is screaming or very upset and that's part of the co-regulation you're trying to bring down your system so that you can help your child bring their system down as well and regulate it And going back to what that really good negotiator would look like or that great negotiator, he says a great negotiator will not ignore the other counterparts or the counterparts emotions. They identify them and they influence them. This is such a powerful sentence and the same thing for parents. And and this is what it applies to parenting. If we have a child who is acting out, remember that most often when a child has a really big behavior or behavior that's happening, happening very often, um, that's disruptive, or they're just not like listening and something changed in their behavior. You have to really think about what the underlying emotion is. And when we really address the underlying emotion, when we start to identify it, we can influence it and we can change it because we can give them the right coping tools. It's okay to feel frustrated and it's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to hit your sister or your brother. That sort of language teaches them. That's the discipline. Disciplining is truly about teaching them what to do in that moment and and emotional coaching or guidance helps them know, okay, that emotion is okay, but it's not okay to express it this way. I cannot externalize it that way. And um, if you've heard the episode that we have on emotion regulation skills, this is something I talk a lot about online and and both here as well. Um, But emotion regulation is both expressed internally. So how I'm feeling, what's the emotion I'm feeling inside, if it's frustration or anger or sadness or disappointment, I'm going to feel it inside and I'm going to express it and externalize it a certain way on the outside. That's what we are seeing. That's the Dr. Mona Delahook um, iceberg, right? That's the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing. We're seeing the externalization of an emotion. It comes out as behavior. Same thing for us. If you're not feeling seen, for example, or you feel very frustrated or with your partner and they said something and you feel shamed, your brain feels like it's not safe in that moment. And it's not because there's a bear or a physical threat around you. There's a threat to the self. And that threat will lead to you lashing out either at them, at somebody at work, at a family member, at your child. That rage that so many people email me about where they say, Cindy, you know, I went from zero to 100 and I don't know where it came from. That's the emotional awareness part. That's the part where you had little micro moments, emotional moments that happened that you might not have been aware of or needs that were not met, um, including mental health, including self-care. And we lash out, right? So being attuned to emotions, both in ourselves and to the with the person that we are having a discussion with, including our child, makes all the difference. I enjoyed this line about empathy. So he says, empathy is not about being nice or agreeing with the other side. It's about understanding them. Again, another one that I highlighted because it just 
brings me back to what the child needs in front of us. When we talk about um, the research that says that we should be sensitive towards our child's emotions, you know, some people, especially all this positive parenting stuff, as you know, I'm not like super into that term, um, but I do believe in the research and that it shows that we have to be show warmth towards our children's emotions and sensitivity and be responsive towards their emotions. And being responsive means showing empathy. And empathy is not just saying like, oh, you know, it's you're mad and I get it, you're mad and let's leave it at that. It's really understanding why are they mad? What's triggering that? Is it the transition from grandma and grandpa's house to coming home? Is it leaving the park? Is it because you said no? All those things are really normal situations for a child to be upset about. Um, but when we really understand them, we empathize with them. And it doesn't mean that we're going to say, yeah, sure, have that cookie before bedtime. It's not about that. It's just saying like, yeah, I know it sucks, but it's bedtime. But, you know, let's let's hug it out or let's think about what tomorrow will bring or let's read a story, some sort of little distraction to connect with them um, rather than disciplining them for feeling that emotion. Dr. Mark Brackett in his book, um, Permission to Feel, talks about the importance of labeling an emotion and that's within ourselves. So just the uh, act of saying in your mind, I'm feeling frustrated right now, I'm feeling disappointed or I'm feeling shamed or I'm feeling sad or what just the labeling aspect of it already starts the process of emotion regulation, already starts not the healing, but the ability to cope or move past that emotion. And what I found interesting is that in this book of negotiation, which I read for business, they bring up labeling. And he says, validating someone's emotions by acknowledging them, you know, that gives someone's emotions a name and it shows them that you identify with how they are feeling. It helps you get close to them. This is a shortcut to intimacy. So think about um, your partner, think about your child in that moment where you're like, oh, I know it's, it's frustrating when we have to leave the park. Wow. It's like I, that child feels seen, similar to our partner, when they, if and when they do say like, I get that you're overwhelmed right now, you have a lot on your plate. Doesn't that make us feel like, a, you know, a ton of weight was taken off our shoulder? Nothing changed. And I've experienced this with my partner too. Nothing changed in that moment. Um, there was a moment where I was feeling lots of big emotions and I was overwhelmed and confused actually with the emotions I was feeling. And he was like, take a moment. I, I see, you know, that what you went through this weekend was really tough. And it's almost like it whoop, disappeared. <laughs> it was amazing just to feel seen and heard and validated in that moment. So the same applies for adults. If somebody does that to us, how, how good it feels. And when we do that with somebody as well, or, or an adult or partner in our lives, how it kind of like disconnects them from that like feeling of, anger or frustration or just being validated helps so much. We need to think the same way for our children. I know that it's so easy for us to see the behavior and how how the bad behavior can get in the way and how annoying it is and how frustrating it is as a parent if your child is acting a certain way. But I really, really encourage you to think beyond that, to look beyond the behavior and to really understand the emotion and to try your best to connect with that emotion. The only thing is that it's very hard to empathize and to connect with somebody's emotions if we are not connected to ours or don't feel seen or validated ourselves. So it is important to start the work with us on your own, you know, like validating your own, your own emotions, not feeling shamed for feeling sad or scared or worried or overwhelmed for whatever it is, knowing that it's okay to feel that way. If hopefully you have a supportive partner 
that could validate that with you as well. Um, but if you don't, then you do have to try to do this work on your own. And the more work you do on yourself, it becomes easier to connect with your child. It becomes easier to see their emotions and to kind of connect with them and to show empathy because you've shown compassion and empathy for your own. He says that a no in negotiations is a is pure gold. <laughs> now, I know you're thinking back to the last time your child told you no, and it didn't feel like pure gold. <laughs> I think of like my kids and we had these Ikea cups and, you know, I, whoever invented like different colored cups and, and cutlery and different colored socks, I don't like you. <laughs> How could you do that to us parents? Everything should be just like one color, just one. <laughs> so anyways, so the Ikea cups, we had like, I don't know, whatever, blue, red, yellow, green. And it's It was a constant, constant debate and argument between my three kids of like, who gets which color? You give them the right color that they asked for. They no longer want it. It's just, it's their cups, their cups. And they've brought me like into full on rage. (laughs) I'm telling you. Um, But all this to say, um, he says no is pure gold because it allows you to start asking questions to see like what the yes is. How do you get to a yes? Um, So the same thing applies with your child, you know, as hard as it could be in that moment when they do say no, it doesn't end there. It means they want something else, but asking questions. And with young children, they might not know what they want, um, you know, it, and that's okay. And, and just let them, you know, support them through that confusion of their brain and not understanding what they want. Because even in our, in, as adults, when there's times that I've experienced where I'm just confused and I don't know what I should choose for something, you know, it's obviously not a cup, but it's like life decisions it becomes so overwhelming and hurts my brain. <laughs> so I, I, I think about the same thing in a child where just choosing a cup could be like so difficult. Uh, I use my daughter as an example for like making decisions and how difficult it is. Once we were on vacation and it was pouring rain outside and I had bought at the dollar store like a bunch of different like uh, ponchos. So I pulled them out. I don't know what it, whatever colors I had, yellow, green, blue, red, And I start giving them out. And then by the time I got to her, there were two colors and she liked both. And here she was standing in the rain, pouring, pouring rain, downpour. And she just couldn't choose between (laughs) yellow and red. And she's like, I don't know. I like them both. And I was like, just choose one. (laughs) And I remember we still laugh about that, but making decisions can be hard. Obviously, it's different decisions for kids versus adults, but just try to empathize with them that way. Chris goes on to talk about that everyone we meet is driven by two primal urges, the need to feel safe and secure and the need to feel in control. Regardless of that being an adult, he's speaking of adults, and I see the same thing in kids. They are also driven by those two primal needs. Now think about what that looks like in toddlerhood or in preschoolers, right? Being in control. I want to put my shoes on. I want to put my jacket on. I want to pour my milk. And all of those things we know lead to taking more time or milk all over the floor. I want to pour my cereal, cereal all over the floor. We know that that leads there, but we do know that it's part of their primal urges. All right. So I hope that uh, this very small summary in terms of like what negotiation looks like within your home um, helped you understand your child a little bit better. So now you are a negotiation expert, (laughs) you may go along (laughs) and move on with your day and um, approach your child a little bit differently, right? So through that lens of empathy and understanding of their emotions. And when you're trying to negotiate which t-shirt to wear, 
just try to listen. What is it? The texture, the color, the, the, the logo on it, the picture, whatever it is that they want. It's not about giving in, but it's trying to find a, a happy medium. Um, you know, but if the more we listen, then we can actually offer them what makes sense and support them a little bit more in these difficult years of toddlerhood or preschool years. And even young children, you know, sometimes it's hard to make decisions. So, and negotiation gets even more important when our kids become teenagers, I'm assuming. I was one myself <laughs> once um, and negotiation was, with me wasn't very easy, but I know that um, if you do have a teenager, just thinking about what I said today, I think it also applies to kids that are older. Um, and it's about listening again, again, even with our partners, we want them to listen to us and, and, and they want us to listen to them. Thank you for listening to the Curious Neuron podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe, to rate the podcast on Apple Music or on Spotify, leave a rating and send me an email at info at Let me know that you rated it, send me a screenshot and I will send you a free PDF with a coupon code as well for Curious Neuron Academy. Follow us uh, on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. And don't forget, if you want a coupon code or sorry, a discount code for Pock Pock app, which is an app for kids um, or better help if you'd like some therapy online or the Wondergrade app, if you want to help your kids with emotions, check the show notes and, and click on the links below. Thank you. Have a good week. Bye.